Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. Father, we're thankful that you're here with us today. We're thankful that we get to encounter you, but then we get to come again. And you said you would meet us again. You would meet us right where we're at. It doesn't matter what we brought in with us. It doesn't matter what happens on a Monday or through the week. But God, you said if we would come in and be willing, that if we would seek after you, that you would seek after us, God. Thank you for meeting us here today right where we're at. You never asked us to be perfect. You asked us just just to come. Father, all that we want all that you are. Thank you for today. Thank you for being here in this place. Father, I ask that for the remainder of this service, Father, you would dwell in this place. Manifest your presence and let us feel your tangible love today. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Give it up for our worship team. That was amazing. It was incredible. Oh, man, I love, I love being in my Lord's presence. Could you do me a favor? Slap five high fives before you get back to your chair. I want you to, you know, be happy. You like these people. I promise you they don't bite. Um, If you're serving kids, they might. I can't, I can't guarantee that for you. be seated you may want to stand that's up to you we are not here to judge good morning hope rising church man it yeah let's let's get I want to see how awake you are good morning hope rising church that's good I'm gonna tell Welby that y'all cheered better for me than y'all ever did for him y'all was awake We had 350 people. Man, he's going to be freaking out. It's going to be great. Man, I'm so happy to be here. For those of you that are wanting to know, my name is Dakota Franklin. My wife and Taylor have the honor and absolute privilege to be the kids and youth pastors here at Hope Rising Church. Thank you. Hey, actually, give it up for my wife. She's back there right now. Uh, She's doing a great job. Uh, She makes me look better. Men, get you a girl that makes you look better. In Jesus' name. Anytime I'm on the stage, I have to give honor where honor is due. Uh, Pastor KP, Kristen, and Welby uh, will be preaching at another church plant. You guys have been the absolute best pastors, and I'm going to stop looking at her because I will cry. Um, they are just amazing. If you don't understand the heart of our pastors, if you don't understand the vision and the resources that they give people, I mean, they do this 24-7. Um, they share their house with people. They open up their lives, and, and they've poured into I know my, myself and my marriage are better because of what you've done, and I thank you for that. Um, so honor to them. Honor is due. But today, I want to bring you a message. Today we're talking about second chances all this month. And so while I was trying to think about this and I was like, man, second chances are great. I'm thankful for a God of second chances. Husbands, I'm thankful for wives of second chances. I mean, we, we mess up daily, sometimes hourly. Sometimes you don't even know what you did. Apologize anyway, and she will give you a second chance. Uh, kids and youth. Aren't you glad that your parents give you the phone back after you done messed up big, big time, A.A. Ron? I mean, you get the phone back, you get the second chance. 
But what I'm not thankful for, and I'm very, very serious about this, I'm not thankful for running. Is anybody not thankful for running? Is anybody like me, like you do not like to run? Said any, thank, thank you, let's be real today. I don't like it, which is ironically the title of my message, is running. Um, as I was doing this message, I started thinking that, do you realize that in 2019 we pay to run in our own neighborhoods? It is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. We do these 5Ks. How many has done a 5K before? I don't know you people. I don't like you people. I don't understand. And everybody's like, it's for a good cause. Well, write the check. You don't have to run. But you will pay money to run in your own neighborhood. The sidewalk's still the same. They didn't make it easier. Um, So while I was thinking about this, if I did run in a 5K, I've never run in one, as you can tell. Um, I've never run in one, but I wanted to think up some names if I was going to. I think we have them on the screen. Here's the first one. Let me get out of the way here. Go ahead and put that up. first one up on the screen. Soar to the finish. You know, like... I think I'm a clever guy, so please laugh. I, you know, I, I worked hard on this. Uh, second one, this one I've really enjoyed. Cirque du Sore Legs. <laughs> and then I have a third one. This one's great. Rapid thigh movement. Because um, it would be rapid. Uh, and the last one has its own slide, and this probably best represents what I am. Straight out of breath. Um, that would probably be my 5K team name. So if you straight out of breath... Come talk to a brother after church, and we will run a 5K together. I don't understand running. It's hard. It makes me sweaty. I feel bad about myself. But I also feel like in life, you're always running. I feel like you're either running from something or you're running to something. And here's what Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and be straight out of breath. That's just from the word of God. So in life, we're either running from something. The Bible's very clear that there is a race marked for you and a race marked for me. And I think that there's three things that we run from in life during this race. And the first one is we run from our past. How do I know that? Because the very first two people that ever set foot on the earth did so. In Genesis 3, 7 through 13, it says this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And I love what God does here. God's such a father. I mean, obviously he's father, you know, father God, but he's such an, a, a parent because he goes, where are you? I, I kind of see like behind the curtains and the feet are showing like this right here, and you're like, where is my kid? Where are you? Fully aware of where they are, but they're hiding not only their physical sense, but just the sin that they have. They're, they're already hiding. It's the first thing we did. It's human nature. And he answered as in Adam, he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And this is when your kid admits that they did something wrong, but not really realizing, he's like, well, then who told you that you were naked? It's kind of like, well, I had a cookie and I had to run. Like, who told you to get a cookie? Um, He said, have you eaten from that tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then Adam said, that woman you put here with me, 
She gave me some of the, that's a rookie mistake. I could tell, I don't know how long they were married. I don't know how long they were together. That's a rookie mistake. I've only been married for a year. I wouldn't even make that mistake. They might've been on the honeymoon phase. But he said, that woman that you put here with me, uh, she gave me some of that fruit. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. The very first two people, as soon as they sinned, they immediately hid. And very rarely does hiding sin nullify sin. Typically, sin breeds sin. So a lot of times we do everything we can. We will change our outward appearance. We will make sure our house looks clean. We will move cities. We will move states just to get away from our past. And we will spend a lot of time and money and emotional just draining to hide our past. But the only person that's hurt when you hide your past is you. Because you've never moved on from the sin that you're hiding and if you see from the Bible, Adam and Eve would then get banished from the garden. And all the things that God had given them, they were in the perfect place. They got to meet with him daily. But they hid, and the only people that it hurt was themselves. So when you try and hide, it very rarely does not result in running again. Typically, sin breeds more sin, and it affects you. But there is some things that you run from that affects those around you. And that's running from your calling uh, I think Jonah best exemplifies this. In Jonah chapter one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. I think we have a graphic. Can we put that up real quick? I want y'all to understand when Jonah ran from his calling, I want y'all to see where he ran. Because you have Joppa is where the port that he would board the ship at. Nineveh was 550 miles from Joppa, and then once he got on the ship, Tarshish was 2,500 miles away. They ain't got Uber. That's a long way to go. Look at this. He said, not only am I going to run from my calling, but I'm going to go from New York to L.A. He got as far away from his calling as possible. And so he's running away, and he thinks, I'm safe. I'm good. I'm away from that place. It's wicked. There's a very high chance that something happened in his family in Nineveh. There was something he disdained about Nineveh. There was something there. There was a deep-rooted bitterness to them. And he said, I'm going to go 2,500 miles away because I don't want to do what God has called me to do. We'll continue reading. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. They're, they're throwing cargo. I'm sure it costs money. They're getting rid of this. They don't understand what's happening. They are in a storm because of what Jonah did. See, when you run from your calling, you bring people into your storm. You may think that you're safe, but those around you now are collateral damage because of your disobedience to what God has called you to do. We'll continue reading. Verse seven, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for the calamity. They cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What is your social security number? What's your credit card number? Why are you here? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. I want you to know that God will take people out of your storm before he takes you. They were worshiping their God and, and nothing happened. Then they saw the problem. They said, who, who is your God? And God said that through this storm, I'm going to show myself to them. We'll continue. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. 
What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Y'all, I'm afraid of the ocean. It's one of my irrational fears. If you put me in the middle of the ocean, I, I, I don't even know what I would do. I can't even imagine. He said, throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man. These are people that are worshiping gods momentarily before this. And now they're saying, please, Lord, get us out of this storm. Do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have you done as you pleased? Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging seas grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Ain't that wonderful? That you could be messing up, but God's still going to get his word out. God's still going to get his message out. I want you to let you, I want to know that you don't have the authority to stop what God is doing. I want you to think about it. You do not have the authority to stop what God is doing. You may feel like, God, I've sinned so much. There's so much that I know that you want to do. He's like, you're not that big. You need to humble yourself a little bit. I'm going to deal with you in a minute. And how I'm going to do it is I'm going to provide a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly for three days and three nights. He went as far from God as possible. And before God dealt with Jonah, he's like, let me deal with the, the collateral damage first. Because I'm going to still do what I'm going to do. Because I'm God. Then he puts Jonah in the big fish, and then, of course, he goes to Nineveh. He ministers to them, and then he goes to a hilltop, and he waits for God to destroy him. And then Nineveh, their whole perception changes. They do an about-face, and they repent, and they go towards God. And God's will is done, and Jonah is upset about it. See, a couple months ago, I preached up here, and I talked about your calling and how we're called to people. That sounds great on, like, a T-shirt I got you, fam. But these are the people that you despise. These are the people that you do not like. These are the people that vote differently than you. They look differently than you. They talk differently than you. You were called to love the unlovable. But instead of loving the lovable, we will go 3,000 miles away from it because we don't want to deal with it. Because I'm okay. And just because you called me to them doesn't mean I have to go, right? No. You were called to love the unlovable, so we will run from our calling and bring other people into our storm. And the last thing that we run from, ironically, is we run from people. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Youth, that is, not an exchange, that is not an excuse for you to lay down with somebody, okay? I just want to point that out. I'm a youth pastor. I got to think like that, you know? They will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? That's why I got married. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So we're better equipped to fight physically. We're, we're better able to survive when we're together. But what else does it breed? And I, I think this is probably the most important thing that God put people for. And I love that we did communion. I love that we talked about the community of church because it does this in James 5 through 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I want everybody to say healed. healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your healing is directly tied to the people around you. This is a culture where it's almost popular to isolate yourself. Again, I'm a kids and youth pastor, so I see it all the time. Someone gets burned, and it's like, you know what? I don't need them. I'm better off by myself. And we encourage it. We say, you go, girl. 
you don't need them. Get out of here. Drop him like, you know, whatever. It's encouraged to isolate yourself. It's become popular. It's become the thing to do. There is a statistic. As a youth pastor, it crushed me. High school students in life have 500 friends on social media. But those same high school students that they surveyed said that they had two friends. And they said, as youth pastors, we can be 50% of their friend group. Can I let you know that your kids are hurting? Can I let you know that people your age are hurting because we've isolated ourselves from the community and the body of Christ? Because we're running from it, because we've been burned and we've been hurt and we've been abused and we've been mistreated and we took that as an example to push them away when the Bible directly speaks against that. He says, if you would confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, you will be healed. I know I don't have the life experience that a lot of people do, but if you're asking, like you don't understand what I've been, if you're still hurting, I can guarantee you you're not in a community. I can guarantee you that you're not confessing those things to one another, having someone pray for one another. And if you're looking for that community, look no further. We have groups starting up. It, the ball's in your court now. If you want healing, I'm just telling you what the, what the man that put the stars in the sky has said. He said, if you would confess your sins to each other and pray for one another, you will be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, but we run from people. You need to find some people that will fight with you. Don't push them away, bring them close. So the three things I talked about is, is running from your past and running from your calling and running from people. We're talking about second chances today. If you've fallen into any of those three categories, today is the day to stop running from your past and run to the future and everything that God has called you to be. Stop running from your calling and run to those people, the unlovable ones that will take an entire city of wickedness and turn their face to God and stop running from people and run into your freedom because you're hurt and God has a community for you. This is your second chance today to turn around and run to him. And you may say, I've had my second and my third. My I always feel like God's like, this is your second chance because all of that stuff's been forgotten. If you would just come to him, turn and run to everything that he has called you to be. Amen. Now, again, I mentioned I don't have as much life experience as some people, but there was a moment in my life where I fell into all three of these categories. Uh, when I was 16, by 15, 16, I was homebound from high school. I had a bevy of medical issues and, and doctor after doctor. There was one month where there was four ER visits within, I think, three weeks. Um, severe chest pains that mimicked a heart attack, treatments, pain medicine, um, specialist after specialist. And this entire time, I'm missing out on high school. And I was born in the church. I was raised in the church. You know, I love God. I was a Sunday school teacher at 14 years old. I was an assistant youth pastor at 17 years old. I became a lead kids pastor at 18 years old. I've been through it all, but at 15 and 16, I struggled deeply with my faith as I continued to teach other people about the things that I'm talking to you about. I ended up missing about two and a half years of my high school experience. I missed out on proms and, and football and, and just the whole high school experience. And at first, of course, you know, I tacked it head on. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. Like, oh, this is going to be over quick. And then a year passed. So you know what? You got to stay strong. You got to persevere. There's a race to run. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be there. And then two years had passed. And now I'm angry because I felt like I was called to ministry. So I said, God, I'm not doing your calling if you're not going to help me out. People kept asking me how I'm doing. And I was hurting. And I said, I'm fine. 
because I would much rather look like I have it all together. Can I tell you that everybody in this room ain't got it together? And that's what I love about our church. We don't act like we do. I can tell you I don't. I have a little girl on, a little girl on the way, and I can't wait for she's old enough to where I can tell her daddy ain't got it together. So I didn't want to do my calling. I didn't want to run to people. And I hid it as much as I could. And everybody kept asking me, how are you doing? Smile on my face. I didn't tell my pastors. I didn't tell my parents. Um, I did tell my parents to stop praying for me. Because if God was going to do what he was going to do, he would have already done it by now. Because high school is almost over. I may not even walk across the stage with my, with my class, the people I've been with my whole life, because I don't want to. And then I read this verse, and it's literally changed my life, and I hope that I can adequately convey what it means to me to you because I think it can change your life. Hebrews 12, one through three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders and the sin. I I want y'all to catch that. He didn't say the sin. He said everything that hinders and the sin. This is because we need to establish a new standard. It's not about being bad and good. It's about being set apart. Everything that hinders you from what God has called you to do, you need to cast it aside. And the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want to unpack verse two and three for you. And it changed my life forever. I read verse two like this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith, for the conscious decision to be joyful, to go to the cross, at the thought of Dakota Frankham, I would go to the cross and I scorn Dakota's shame. And I sit at the right hand of the throne of God in victory. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from Dakota so that Dakota would not grow weary, and lose heart. See, it was the thought of you, church. He asked his father to take the cup from him, but it was the thought of you. It was the thought of your family. It was the thought of your children. It was the thought of people far from God to experience new life in his son. That when he would even be as human as he could possibly be, to take it from me, but I'm going to choose joy. Because I want my son to be okay. Because he's going to go through a time where he feels I've left him. He feels I've forsaken him. But I want him to be reminded that at the thought of you in that moment, he would choose joy. He didn't choose happiness, which is fleeting. He chose joy to go to the cross. Consider him who endured opposition from you so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. That changed my life forever. That my Savior thought I was important enough that he would choose joy to go to the cross and endure a pain I would never want to hope to think about. He asked him to take it from him, but he said, you know what's more important? My son and my church. So today's their second chance. It's my second chance. It's my third. It's my fourth. It's my fifth. Today's your chance to turn and run to him with a reckless abandon. And here's how it works. I don't know how many of y'all drive with your cell phones. Don't raise your hand, please. But when you're, you're driving down the road, 
you're fixated on your target and everything's fine. But the things that distract you, the kid slapped you or the kid in the head, I don't know. Car seats not buckled right. You look on your phone and you start drifting. You start drifting. And in life, we get distracted by everything that's going on around us. But it said if you would fix your eyes on him, if you'd fix your eyes on the one that chose you, if you'd fix your eyes on the one that was joyful at the thought of you, sitting in a church in 2019 to praise and worship him, to tell him that he's worthy of our praise, he's worthy of our affection, he's worthy of our service, he's worthy, church. So every time I get down, every time I I, I feel like I'm defeated, every time I feel like I'm not running to what he's calling me, I feel like I'm running from, I just remember that when he had the opportunity to run from something, he chose me. So when you go to run from something, choose him because he first chose you. If everybody would stand with me for a second. We're going to go into this song again. And I love it. Oh, I love this song. I love that we're singing it today. Because it says not for a minute. Whew. Not for a minute. Not in my lowest was I forsaken. But rather, he was right there beside me because while I'm running this race, he's not at the end waiting for me. He's running with me. He's holding my hand. He's taking me where he's already been. Not for a minute in that divorce did he forsake you. Not in a minute when that kid did not come to church and fell away from God did he forsake you. I may not have been through all of these things, but I've had friends and family. Not for a minute did he forsake you. Whatever that is for you today, when we play this song, I want you to go after God like you've never gone after him before. I want your hands raised. I want you going after him. I want you to say, God, here again, here today, whether this is the first or this is the hundredth time that you've asked him to come today, I want you to go after him because he chose you. He'll walk with you and walk beside you. He'll heal you. He'll put people around to build you up. And you've been tore down over and over again. Today is the day. Do not walk out of this building with leaving something on the table. Leave it all on the field. So we're going to go into this song. And I want you to think about the one that chose you. He chose you. joining us in the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at hoperising.co. If you're in the Cypress, Texas area, we would love to connect with you on Sundays, 10 a.m. at Spillane Middle School. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.